You're listening to Your Financial Planner, Now What? The podcast to help you fast track your career by bringing you meaningful conversations on topics that influence new financial planners, their careers, and the lives of their clients. Here's your host, Hannah Moore, a CFP and the owner of Guiding Wealth Management. Thank you, Charlie. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad to be back. Thank you, Hannah. Today, we're diving into financial planning and what it actually is. I've talked with several of our listeners and have heard comments like, I really love the idea of financial planning, but how different is that from what I'm actually doing right now? All right. So what are they doing? Just investments? A lot of them are working in investment firms. So I've heard from people working at Edward Jones or places like that where they're regularly meeting with clients, but the focus is on investments instead of financial planning. And so there's sometimes this gap between what actually is financial planning and what's investments. Like, And so that's what I really wanted to address today. This topic is really important because I believe it's what separates us from being an industry and being a true profession. And I believe there is no one better to have talk to us than Elisa Bowie. Elisa's resume is pretty impressive. She sits on the board of trustees for the Foundation of Financial Planning. She's a past chair of the National Financial Planning Association and is a dean for the FPA's residency program. She has published multiple papers in the Journal of Financial Planning And in 2013, she was awarded the P. Kemp Fane Jr. Award, which is a pretty big deal. If that's not enough, she's quite literally wrote the book, or at least 17 chapters, of the CFP Board's Financial Planning Competency Handbook. She practices financial planning and is one half of the Yeski Bowie firm, which is on the front lines of pushing our profession forward. That sounds impressive. Why don't you jump right in? Let's do it. So we're talking about why is financial planning Like, what is financial planning? And I think maybe a good place to start with that is I feel like that question can be a really controversial one. Um, And we've had guests on a previous episode say that they don't even know what financial planning, we don't even know what financial planning is yet. Um, Why is that? And why is this a controversial or maybe a vague question? Uh, You know, that's such an interesting question. I have been talking about financial planning for 30 plus years. And for 30 plus years, we've been trying to come up with a definition. And I think that some of the reason is um, it is complex and there are so many parts to it kind of in a, in almost a three dimensional way um, that it's hard to define when you're seeing it or when you're not seeing it. Um, You know, there's the, there's certainly the, there's very technical analysis in doing financial planning. There's the relationship building um, and I know we'll get into this more later, but there's the other pieces that there's the the strategic part of financial planning, but it's hard. No one wants to put such tight boundaries around it that it's a, that we say, well, unless it's all of these things addressing every single piece that could be financial planning, then it's not really financial planning. Um, on the other hand, we we have we're trying in the profession of financial planning to not to help consumers know when something really is planning and when it is more advice or sales. And there's nothing wrong with advice or sales, but that's not financial planning. And so the, the, the challenge is to help consumers understand it. And of course, if we can't understand it, our, well, I think we understand it somewhere intuitively, but if we can't explain it to each other, how in the world are we going to explain it to consumers? Oh, I completely agree with that. So in just kind of prepping for this episode, 
I, I started looking at what are the definitions of financial planning and what I've seen. And so one was just very simply, it's financial planning is an ongoing process to help you make sensible decisions about money that can help you achieve your goals in life. What would be your critiques of that definition? So I think that financial planning is, if it's not an ongoing process, it's not planning. So I agree with that part. The, 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 if I had to critique that, I would say yes and then, and it's so many, many more things after that. And I don't know if you want me to dive in there or if you want to go on to some, you know, some other definitions and critique those before we kind of maybe try and pull them together. No, let's dive into that. So financial planning is a process. Um, certainly one of the definitions of financial planning is the CFP board's six-step process. Um, it's, there's been a lot of dialogue and work and actually white papers done on, what, on how much of that process is even required um, or expected before it's actually financial planning. So a lot of people would argue that if you don't go all the way through to monitoring and reviewing, it's not financial planning because planning is a process. On the other hand, I'd be hard pressed to argue that someone who goes and sits with a, a real financial planner and gets a comprehensive, or you know, let's let's talk about that word later, comprehensive, but um, who gets a, a, a full-on financial plan done by a financial planner and and then does the implementation and doesn't monitor it. I mean, hard pressed to argue that that they didn't have some form of financial planning. It would be better if they monitored it and came back to it, but that doesn't mean they didn't do financial planning. So, um, so the six-step process is certainly one way, and and as I said, there have been um, some interesting white papers uh, on web, written on whether um, all of the pieces of the plan, all, excuse me, all the parts of the process have to be included. The, the other, so if that's one dimension, if the process is one dimension, the components are another dimension. So, um, you know, without belaboring the point, but clearly cash flow planning, tax planning, estate planning, investment planning, uh, education planning, retirement funding, risk, risk analysis, um, those are all pieces, right? Those are all components of a financial plan. Is it a financial plan if you don't address every single one of those? Some people argue that it that it isn't financial planning in, in, unless you address all of those. Many people will argue it isn't financial planning unless you address at least and it's in, at least two, at least three of those components. Um, you know, I don't know how we come up with a definitive answer to that, but what I would say is that I, my personal belief is that it's not. You could address any one or more of the components. But when it becomes financial planning is, A, when you go through some version of that six-step process, and B, when it is um, – when the analysis is integrated and strategic. So if a client comes in to meet with a financial planner and all they want to address is their estate planning, okay? They're going to go to an attorney to get documents done, but they want the financial planner to address their estate planning. When the planner looks at the client from a 360-degree view, who matters to them and why? What are their interior and their exterior kind of fact pattern? What are their beliefs and, and, and what's the and culture? And what is the what is, where is the current world in terms of you know estate laws, et cetera? 
Um, when they look at it from that standpoint and, and incorporate everything else that's in the client's financial situation, I think you can argue that that's financial planning, even though they did one component. It's not financial planning, though, if it doesn't if it doesn't look at the estate planning piece strategically and in and in conjunction with um, everything everything else in the client's financial situation. Now, that's my personal opinion. I'm not saying I'm I'm certainly not the, the authority on the definitive authority on that, but that's one of the ways I conclude that something is financial planning or have an opinion, I should say, that something is financial planning is when it is fully strategic and integrated with everything, even if it's just one component. What I find so interesting about this question is because I'm having a lot of conversations with younger advisors who are at places with heavy investment backgrounds. So like people who are working at Edward Jones and they like the idea of financial planning, but they're really struggling to see how it's all that different from what they're actually doing right now. So they may be having a lot of planning conversations, but maybe not the process. What are kind of your thoughts on that? Um, I think that there are a couple of directions to come at that kind of that question. Um, and one of them is that, you know, from a building the profession standpoint, this is where it's so important to have at least some guidelines of what planning is because a lot of consumers believe they're getting planning and what they're getting is asset management or investment advice. And again, nothing wrong with asset management and investment advice, but consumers need to know that if that's, if that's all they're getting and it's not being integrated with the rest of their entire financial situation and who matters to them and why and what their goals are and things, then it's, it's investment advice. And and the consumer who doesn't realize that thinks they've gotten, they think they've, they've, well, we've addressed our financial plan and they haven't, they've addressed their investment advice. Um, so that's, that's one piece. Um, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm afraid, Hannah, I'm going to repeat myself kind of maybe frequently in this because if someone is doing investment advising within the context of that kind of 360 degree, degree view of the client and, and the investment portfolio and the investment advice is in support of the retirement plans and the college education funding plans and is backed up with, you know, with good risk management and the estate plan is in place and all the assets are, are registered appropriately for the estate plan. You know, I, that's, that's financial planning. Um, or at least that's some piece of financial planning um, I still think that consumers need, even back to my example before with the person who just did, just did the estate planning, while I would argue that that is financial planning, though that consumer still needs the rest of their situation planned. They still need their risk management and their cash flow planning and their tax planning and all of that done. And so, I, I mean, I, it, it's just an interesting concept that the profession has and this is still an answer to your, your point about the people who are doing investment planning. The profession is, I think, trying to be um, open to, right? Not, to not be, so, not be judgmental, if you will, right? To not say, well, I do this this way, therefore that's the way financial planning should be done. And, um, and yet we also need to take a stand 
and um, and not let things that aren't financial planning pass for financial planning. So I think <laughs> I think that the the young people you're talking to um, would be well served to spend time at at conferences and things talking with experienced planners about you know what they do on a day-to-day basis and what does financial planning look like in their office um, in order for them to tell if what they're doing is financial planning and and I would this may be a little much but I would say if they're questioning it then if they're questioning it then that may be an indication that there's something to question there that they they there's some research for them to do there and I think a lot of those firms that you're that, that type of firm, I think that there's there's planning going on in those firms, and then there's you know there there may be people who are not doing planning who who think they are or the consumer thinks they are. I think it's a challenge, but I think it's one that the profession can yeah. um, can kind of own up to, if you will, and and it's really networking annual conferences and or you know not annual conferences and things that you know where where these young people can get the answers that they need. Yeah, so I kind of want to dovetail off of that a little bit and talk, share with you and share with everybody else, um, maybe heard a little bit of my story, but, you know, I worked at the broker dealer for several years and worked under a lady. And so we, I think we did financial planning. A lot of it was just back of the envelope type stuff. We'd have a lot of planning conversations, but there wasn't really that process built around it. And, but I knew that financial planning was where I wanted to go. Like I had seen people as like, I want what they have, like what their practices and how they interacted with clients. And once um, I, so I ended up, I don't know if you've heard of the Deborah Fox, her financial planning processes that she has. I have not, I don't think. Yeah. So she has, um, it's like six different meetings for financial planning. It's, it's great. It completely changed my practice. But what I did is I started diving into that and I mean, she has scripts for, you know, first meeting and how do you, how do you describe financial planning and things like that? And once I started implementing that, the change, it, it was like a, like, there's just black and like just night and day difference between the clients that I was engaging just as, you know, just, I guess the traditional way um, versus clients that I was really engaging in that financial planning way. And when I would pitch financial planning to clients, they would be like, oh my gosh, like this is what we've been looking for, but we haven't been able to actually define it yet. So I feel like some of this question is, it's almost like we need to change our perspective and how we are, are approaching clients. Like I feel like financial planning approach is entirely different than just an investment management approach. The thought process, the mindset is very different. Yeah. And, and so when, when you're hearing my responses to you, you're hearing someone who's been having this conversation for 30 years and trying, you know, 30 years ago, if you think there are people who could be doing a better job of planning um, than they are, you know, 30 years ago, imagine what it was like. So, you know, we've spent several decades um, trying to make progress without offending anyone. And that's, that means, well, I don't think you have to offend people to have fast progress, but trying to make progress while being inclusive of everyone. And that makes it, you know, it's, it's made things more, it's made things go more slowly than if we had, if someone had put their foot down and said, you know, it's this kind of thing that you're talking about this, there must be these steps in the process. There must be, um, you know, this kind of relationship building with the client. Um, there must be this addressing of, um, you know, 
at least most of their financial situation, if not all of it. And until you do that, it's not financial planning. And, you know, one day it would be grand to get there. And I think that your, your story is kind of spot on with what people, with what people find when they are exposed to actual financial planning. It's like, Oh, this is something different. And, and it's fairly magical. I mean, I, we we do we really do it at our firm at Yeski We talk about the magic, and so do lots of other people. We'll talk about the magic of financial planning. I mean, it takes it takes um, a, a process and and a relationship that's built and and number crunching and all of that, and turns it into more than the sum of its parts. Um, you know, a financial plan is more than the components I listed earlier when you put them all together in a strategic place. Um, and it's almost like um, my uh, business partner and husband, Dave Yeski says, it's like, if you can imagine all the components of a financial plan, it's actually the pieces, it's the space in between those components where the strategy comes into play and where the magic of financial planning happens so that the client ends up with you know, more than the sum of their resources um, in their life. And so I think that people need to hear stories like you just told um, and they need to be exposed to it. And um, I'm not going to plug any programs or anything on here, but, you know, there are um, there are programs around the country where you can go to get exposed to this thing called the uh, IBCFP, the, the International Board of Certified Financial Planners, um, all emerged and um, came up with the six-step process. And all of a sudden, you could start to do do the financial planning and give advice regardless of what, what method you were getting paid. And in fact, that, of course, is where fee-based and then fee-only um, planning kind of emerged out of that. Then you've got all the, the tension, though, now between the, the various compensation methods and the various focuses, you know, someone, people who were focused on purely the strategy and not the implementation at all. And those who are still very focused on the implementation, the insurance and or the investments, but now wrapping strategy around it. So, I mean, that's kind of the history, uh, a very brief version of the history. Um, and then you are, are, are for many years then in the, and I got into the business in the 80s, and that was when the fee-only versus commission um, dialogue was going on. So we spent a lot of time on that. That was the, the, the discussion or the dialogue for many, many, many years. Um, it's probably been way longer than I would be willing, you know, would, would kind of time flies. But, you know, 15 years or more where we've been having the discussion of, okay, but really, what is financial planning? And this whole piece of you know the process, the components, and then kind of the work that's been emerging um, in in somewhat more recent years in terms of um, the the different types of financial planning um, uh, methods, if you will. And um, my husband Dave Yeski did his doctoral work on where he identified various modes of planning. And at either end of the spectrum was the, um, the planner mode and the client mode. So the planner mode is where the planner's in charge 
And they are just, they're simply, you know, kind of doing the analysis and telling you what to do. And then the client driven mode is where the client is really coming in just for um, verification. Okay. I know what I'm going to do. I just need a quick analysis to tell me, make sure that I did the numbers right kind of thing. And then the three modes in the middle um, being data driven, which is kind of the historical, probably well before your time, but the historical concept of financial planning was that it was math, was finance. You did capital needs analyses and you figured out how much to save and, you know, based on your assumptions and how much life insurance was needed based on your assumptions. And that was the plan. Um, and then the other, before I get to the middle mode, the other side back with where the, with the client driven started to emerge the relationship driven mode. So that's like life planning. Okay. And, and the relationship driven mode when it's at its most extreme, if that's the right word to use, is all about the client and much less about the numbers. And then in the middle is the the policy-driven mode. And it's the mode that pulls together the data-driven and the relationship-driven. So there's, I have a great uh, quote from a, a client many years ago when we were talking about just this thing. And he said, you know, Elisa, we, it matters that you care about us, right? So that's the relationship driven mode. It matters that you care about us and know us. But first, we have to know there are some big brains involved, and that's the data driven. And so when you pull all those together, they come to a policy driven mode where you can you can come up with rules, if you will, that a client will will follow based on what what they that they agree to follow, that they come up with along with you, based on who matters to them and what, based on what their cultural values and their belief systems and their risk tolerance are, but based very firmly in serious data analysis, um, serious number crunching. And and so I don't really think I'm specifically coming straight at your your question, but the evolution to coming up with an answer to what is financial planning has been not a straight path by any stretch. And as we kind of started out, there's still a lot of disagreement um, about what it is. And you kind of heard me early on being, I was talking about it and I still, and I, what I said is, is my firm belief that, you know, it's financial planning as long as it's strategic but you made what I think is a really important point in that when you were exposed to this method that you uh, discovered, you kind of had a an aha, like, okay, that's, that's really full-on comprehensive, real relationship and data-driven financial planning, and there's a process involved, and, um, and you know, aha, I've got it figured out. So somehow we have to get to that place in the profession where where we all agree that what kind of that aha moment that you had, that some version of what you're talking about, not exactly that for everyone, but some version of that is actually what financial planning is. So a lot of people talk about financial planning for millennials and the younger generation and kind of, I feel like they talk about it in a way where it's different than the financial planning for boomers. What are your thoughts on that? You know, it's different and not different. It's kind of back to the discussion we've been having about what is financial planning. Um, it's the same. Planning is the same. Whether it, whether, whether you're addressing all this, you're not addressing all. You're not addressing the same things with a 26 year old as you are with a 56 year old. Clearly, um, 
but that's kind of the thing about financial planning is it it is individual. It's cust- it, it's not financial planning if it's not customized to the individual. And so customizing to a millennial doesn't make it not financial planning. Um, I do think that there is a place for do so. The way I've always kind of described financial planning is you kind of one of the ways you kind of pick a point on the horizon. It's like you're you're going on a hike or something, or or you could do it with a sailing analogy. Pick one, but you know you pick a point on the horizon and you start aiming there. But there's an interesting path this way or an interesting path this way, and so every once in a while you reconnoiter and oh, there's the place on the horizon I'm I'm aiming at. And you might you know come over a hill and then change to a different point in the horizon. I mean, that's just how, how life is and it's how financial planning is. Well, clearly the, some of the points on the horizon are much farther away from millennial. And so they need to be dealt with in a way that doesn't take them, it takes them seriously, but doesn't take the doesn't take the numbers quite too seriously. You know, to tell a millennial, well, to have a 70% Monte Carlo, this is what you need to do between now and the next 40 years is just ridiculous. But setting up some policies that the millennial can, millennials can follow um, in pursuit of those long and short range goals, I think are, you know, that's, the, the, that's a really good way to do planning for a millennial. Um, so, you know, policies like, save 10% of your income. I mean, that's just an easy one. But I don't know that you're going to do a full capital needs analysis for somebody who's 26 to tell them what their portfolio is going to look like when they're 66, right? Um, but setting a policy that's in the here and now makes a lot of sense. Similarly, setting policies about what they, how to manage their money in the, yeah, how to manage their money in the here and now. Um, so, you know, debt policies, like you know, using credit cards for things that are, are already in the budget and can be paid off every month, and for items that are you know less than 10% of your of your you know gross take home, save for them, and over 10% use amortizing debt. You know that kind of thing. And clearly, with someone who's 56 or 66, or you're being much more specific. Oh, if you're 56 and you're retire at 65, I can get a lot more specific about what the numbers look like and what you need to be doing. Um, in addition to what you're already doing to get there. But, but again, that's still financial planning. I mean, financial planning for two 56-year-olds is going to be very different. The 56-year-old who has a lot and wants to retire next week and the 56-year-old who maybe hasn't saved as much because they put their kids to college and, you know, took care of their parents and, and they're going to be working for, you know, another 15 years or so. Great. Those are two very different financial plans too. So, um so I'm not arguing it's the same in planning for millennials and older people. I'm just arguing that it still it still is the components of financial planning or the pieces of financial planning. It's the process. It's the looking at all the components. It's the strategy. And then it's very importantly, the relationship piece. Um, and uh, because it's really not financial planning. If there isn't, if the planner doesn't know who matters and why, to the client that it's really not financial planning. I've heard a lot of conversations around this idea of like a financial counselor versus a financial planner where like a financial planner has a CFP and a financial counselor, maybe more of like the cash flow strategy type. Do you see a distinction between those or like what, where does having, where does having your CFP become necessary? 
in in my experience, and you tell me if I'm misinterpreting the word financial counselor, but in my experience, a financial counselor is very much about behavioral change towards some specific issue. You know, I have a debt issue or I really, really want to be saving for my first house. Um, and I need some specific look, you know, work on that. And so if that interpretation is true, really they're, they're not integrating the rest of the, the the person's entire financial situation. And again, I don't know, I'm not a financial counselor, so again, I may be misinterpreting that. I'm thinking of it, I know there was a big conversation a while back about CFP light and how like there was a clear decision that, you know, that wasn't an option, but kind of that, when we talk about giving advice, financial advice, I feel like there's a whole spectrum of advice. Like where does the CFP, maybe there isn't, maybe there isn't like a cutoff in that, that spectrum of where like, this is where a CFP is needed versus maybe here's where a CFP isn't needed to give financial advice. I'm such a, an evangelist for financial planning and for this profession. I'm going to have to come at it from the profession standpoint. I think that people who give, I think that people who want to, who are financial planners who want to do financial planning should have their CFP license. I just fundamentally believe that. I think it's excellent training, and I also think, at least as importantly, it helps the consumer know that they're getting someone with the technical expertise and the requirement, the ethics and practice standards requirement that the CFP has. So I think if we're going to build a profession, if you want to say you're doing financial planning, I think you should. I know you don't have to, but I think you should get your CFP. So I almost challenge the question, not, not your question, I almost challenge someone questioning, well, how important is it? Well, why not do it? it? Yes, it matters. It matters to the consumer and it matters to your education level. So kind of what's, what's the question, if you will. If you don't want to do financial planning, there are lots of other credentials out there for financial counseling. And go for one of those, but then don't say you're a financial planner because you're not actually doing planning. You're doing counseling. I love that term, that financial planning evangelist. (laughs) I I think we need more of those. Uh, You know, I do. And it's the piece of, you know, I'm going to rewind a little bit and just say, I so appreciate your point that you made about the financial planning process system that you were exposed to and how it just kind of changed everything for you. If we can figure out how to get uh, financial planning students and then new financial planners exposed to that, I think that we can move the profession forward in a great way. It, it's like it, it's you're, you were talking about the people who are maybe in more investment-oriented firms wondering what is the difference between what I'm doing in financial planning and it's it's really one of the reasons that we've had such a hard time defining financial planning is because it's a little bit of, you know, it when you see it, it's not until you actually do it that you get that aha of, Oh, this is, I get it. Now I see there are these huge number of moving parts and they all come together in this kind of swirling hole that the actual financial planning uh, data analysis, like plugging things into software, pulls it, pulls all these swirling pieces together sufficiently so I can then go on 
and take what I've learned about these wonderful human beings sitting across the table from me and coordinate them together, strategically put my, my wisdom, my knowledge and my wisdom together with the data and the information kind of wrapped up in a package of, of who matters to these clients and why. That's what financial planning is. But, you know, try saying that in an elevator speech to, you know, <laughs> to the consumer. It's just not easy. And, um, you know, and we have, we have had, we consistently at our firm, and I'm confident by all the other financial planners out there have the same thing. You have someone come in and they, they think they're coming in either for investment advice. They're coming in because they think they need investment advice and a few other things. And you tell them what the process is going to be, and they kind of have faith, and they come with you on the on the journey, and they get even partway through it, and they go, this is not what I was expecting. I mean, this is not what I was expecting, and I love it. I've had people say to us just after the discovery, and we haven't spent any time today talking about the concept of discovery versus data gathering, but you know, they come through a discovery meeting with us and go, okay, that wasn't what I was expecting, but that all, all by itself was worth the price of admission, regardless of, of where we go, you know, from here with the rest of the plan. So, um, and that's another piece. Um, you asked about the evolution of kind of the definition of financial planning over time. I, there are so many answers to that. We could talk about that for hours and hours, but one I'd love to put a place marker in is um, while good financial planners were always interested in getting to know their clients, okay? That was always the case. However, back in the day, and you can still see it in the CFP board's um, uh, description or the, the step two of the financial planning process, it's gathering client data. And it says including goals, but gathering client data. And that's one of the most interesting evolutions in the profession over the last 20 years or so is this evolution from data gathering to discovery and the whole concept of discovering who your client is and what matters to them and who matters to them and why. Um, it's so much bigger than the data. And the data is important. I mean, I would say this relationship building piece is critical. And we are financial planners, so we actually do crunch the numbers. So we need to, do, we need to know the numbers and we need to crunch them. Uh, but you really don't know what to do with those numbers. You don't know how to harness your financial planning knowledge and your strategic planning, strategic financial planning and your wisdom as a planner until you've done the full-on discovery and have learned, um, you know, who, who the person is. Oh, I completely, 100% agree with that. And, you know, as somebody, I guess you could say I've seen the light with financial planning, <laughs> it, mm -mm. I... I tell clients like I can't invest your money until I have a plan. Like I won't right. take anybody else. Like nothing else makes sense. Like I, I don't know how to go put your money into an investment. If you just want investment, go to Vanguard. If you want a plan, come to me. Right. It, it's right. Exactly. It's such a, a change in perspective that just, it, it just changes your whole message to the client. And I believe it resonates deeply with clients once you can really articulate that message. And it remains difficult to articulate that message, but we have to get better and better at articulating that message. Um, just, yeah. And from a, from the profession standpoint, you mentioned CFP Light. Um, I was actually the president of the Institute of Certified Financial Planners the year CFP Light came out. ICFP is one of the predecessors to FPA. Um, we merged with the IAFP to create FPA. 
So I was the president of the ICFT the year that CP Light came out. And so we, we spent a ton of time talking about it in the profession. And the whole concept, the, 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 the positive intent was to enable, to, to improve the pipeline, to improve the pipeline, to make the pipeline more readily available for people wanting to come into the profession. The problem is that it, it really came down to the ability to explain or have the consumer understand the difference between the two. And a CFP light was not going to be able to do the full-on strategic. They, they weren't going to be trained or educated, I should say, to do the full-on financial planning. And so the call was made that it would be misleading to the consumer. Um, at least we have one bright white line. You're either a CFP licensee or you're not. Um, I'm not saying that there are people who are not CFP licensees who are doing good financial planning, but from a consumer standpoint, the consumer can choose to make that call. I'm going to hire a CFP uh, licensee, period. And, and that's at least one place that, you know, they can, again, they can see that bright white line between someone who is and someone who isn't. And I think this is why, you know, we're going to be doing a whole series on the history of financial planning. And I think this is why it's so important because I'm hearing rumblings and conversations within young planners circles where people are kind of, I feel like a lot of the arguments are for like, they're not saying CFP light, I'm putting that term on it, but kind of some of that, that discussions going on. And it's like, the professions had that discussion and not just that they've had it, but they've made a decision and there's been really developed thoughts around that. So I think learning the history is really going to help young planners really sharpen some of their viewpoints. Um, so thank you for addressing that and kind of pulling that out more, because I think that's a really important thing for young people to hear. Yeah. And there's never, ever clearly a reason you never want to shut down a, a dialogue about something just because it's been discussed before, but there's a place to say, okay, but what was discussed before? Why was that decided? Because that history is, is that historical thinking um, it is critical to any new thinking. Right. So as we're kind of wrapping up here, what do you see? I mean, kind of, we've talked about the past. What do you envision going forward? Like what, what would be your, I, your dream I, for financial, as a financial planning evangelist, what would be your dream for financial planning? Oh, my dream for financial planning would be that it is crystal clear to the consumer whether someone is in fact a financial planner or not, just like it's crystal clear to the consumer that someone is an attorney a CPA, an enrolled agent. I mean, that's that's the piece that would be such a um, such a uh, well. I was going to say a gift to the consumer, but it's not a gift. It's a requirement. I mean, we have to get to a place where where if you where a financial where the consumer knows what they're getting when they get a financial planner. Now, that being said, it's interesting to note financial planning is so much more diverse than most of what other professions do. There's so many more pieces to it. And so I think the edges are blurry at this point because it's hard to decide where to draw the boundary, if you will. But if we can't get to a place where the consumer knows whether they're really getting a financial planner or not, I, I think the profession can't 
um, can't grow in the same way. And that's why back to your point about when, when should someone get their CFP license? And it's like, you know, now it's the, it needs to be the CFP designation that, that identifies financial planners in my opinion. Now that's a lofty, that's a huge goal, but, as a financial planning evangelist, that's what I would want because we know that the CFP board, not only are the educational programs uh, good, um, at least as important as that, CFP board actually does avidly protect the marks and the ethical standards and the educational standards. Um, is it perfect? No, it can't be perfect. They can't have eyes and ears everywhere. But when there is an ethical, a potential ethical violation, they step up and do something about it. They do monitor the educational providers and do the best job they can in trying to make sure that the education is a high standard. Um, there isn't anyone else doing that. And, and so I think the CFP mark is the, the place to pursue. I mean, there's also talk about... Um, State regulation, you know, like CPAs are regulated by the state, you know, potentially regulating or not, maybe pursuing having financial planners regulated by the state. Um, That feels, that feels unwieldy to me from the planner standpoint, but if that's the only route we have, then that may be the route that we have to go. But somehow the consumer has to, has to, there has to be a, a, a boundary around or a bright white line around who are financial planners and who are not. Right. I guess the other thing is, you ask me as an evangelist and profession. We the other piece is we have um, we've got to get this whole pipeline thing um, fixed, if you will. There are a lot of really, really well-educated, talented young people coming out of CFP board registered programs and not ending up in real financial planning firms. And we need to figure that one out. That would be another one in my perfect world. Um, we figure that out. And what I think is so great, I see that from a young advisor perspective of just how hard it is to get in, but it's so encouraging to hear people like you and your firm and other people like you who recognize this problem and are actively trying to help fix it. Slowly but surely. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go, a bit of exciting news. We are on Stitcher now. Be sure to check us out there and leave a review if you're so inclined. Awesome. And one more thing. Dates for this year's in-person meetups are still being worked out. We need some confirmations. But we're definitely going to have those for you guys next week. Some good stuff there. So, well, thank you for joining us this week. We'll talk again next week.